This podcast is brought to you by the Albany Public Library, Main Branch, and the generosity of listeners like you. What is a podcast? God, Daddy, these people talk as much as you do. Razib Khan's unsupervised learning. You know that genetics plays a huge role in our health, and more people are using genetic testing to determine risk for diseases like cancer for themselves and their kids than ever before. So I want to tell you about ORCID. It's the only company that does whole genome testing for embryos, testing before your child is born. If you're doing IVF, this is a clear choice now because now you can reduce risk for thousands of single gene disorders, including heritable forms of autism, pediatric cancers, and birth defects. Check them out at orchidhealth.com. Hey, everybody. Uh, this is Razib with the Unsupervised Learning Podcast, and uh, I have a very special guest, a uh, long time coming, uh, my friend Curtis Yarvin, who most of you will probably know of from his Substack, Gray Mirror. He also had uh, his old blog uh, under Mencius Moldbug, Unqualified uh, Reservations. And then, um, you know, you've done a variety of writing in various places, you know, American Mind, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And if you just like, I, you know, sometimes I just like check what comes up. Um, if you type in Google, uh, your role as like, shall we say, an online political theorist uh, has been extensively profiled. And so um, we're not really going to talk too much about that, at least initially, uh, because you can find that elsewhere. I want to talk about something different, um, a side of you that I think a lot of people may know, but maybe they don't. But I know it because uh, I've seen, you know, I, you know, when we've hung out in real life, um, this is something that's very important to you. And it's like more of the aesthetic, cultural, uh, literary aspect. And um, I want to talk about poetry. Um, I know poetry is important. I know poetry is important to you because <laughs> I've poetry's seen you. Important. Uh, hey, man. Hey, man. Hey, man. Poetry is important to everyone, man. They just don't know. Okay, well, I mean, like, let's go. Let's go to it. Like, how is it important on the individual level, and how is it important culturally, socially, in your opinion? Wow, you know, I mean, on individual level, uh, you know, it's a forum that I've worked at for many years. It's a forum I've been trained at. It's a forum in which, um, you know, poetry in many ways, it's it's a sort of canary in the coal mine. It's very delicate flower. It really shows the state of the society it's in in some ways i mean let's compare for example soviet math to soviet poetry now you probably don't know anything about soviet poetry and you might know something about soviet math but you're going to say right away that basically soviet math is pretty much just math and soviet poetry is probably pretty much worthless and if you were asked why soviet or pro-soviet poetry poetry, Russian poetry from the Soviet period is pretty much worthless. You would say that basically in order to appear, one of two things has to be true about it. Uh, either it has to at the very least contain anything, nothing that's sort of in any way noxious to the regime or to sort of this kind of total power that be that kind of, you know, hangs over everything in the Soviet Union, or it has to be flavored with the conceits of that power. And when you look at the equivalent in, um, uh, you know, American, you know, late 20th century American poetry, what you'll see 
is you'll see, you know, has sort of very similar issues in some ways. Mid 20th century American poetry is really some of the best work ever done. And I think it'll stand across the centuries and the millennia. Uh, now, I think is very, very weak. And so, for example, if you read like, say, poetry in the New Yorker, you'll find a mix of stuff. You'll find a certain amount of, of stuff that sort of celebrates the kind of official context you know, uh, like my my late wife used to call this genre uh, race opera, which I think is a really excellent term that should be used more. And because, of course, there's race opera, not just in poetry, but in fiction, in plays and, you know, and and this is what you we know is, is woke, woke Hollywood. But of course, it's been a thing well, well before that that regrettable word got loose. And then you also have stuff where it's basically sort of the best that you can do is kind of be content free. And it seems kind of inconsequential, risking nothing, just like barely even daring to try to be pretty. And you look at that and you you sort of notice the distinctively bureaucratic origins of that kind of work where, okay, I have a copy of the New Yorker in my hand. There's a poem in it. How did it get there? And the answer of how it got there typically involves someone who works at this extremely esteemed publication who has a lot of favors to hand out. And basically every poem that appears in the New Yorker is a favor given to someone. And that favor often goes through two or three levels of connections in order to get there. And so it is very desirable that this work not be offensive to any of these layers of connections. Unfortunately, you know, not even offensive that it not be in any way bad. Unfortunately, that leads to a culture of writing poems where the purpose of having written a poem is to have written a poem that's not bad, which means that you're basically, if you're if a poem is not risking being bad in any way, then it, the best it can do is to be mediocre. And so you basically see stuff that is actively bad because it sort of reeks of the current official i mean it goes beyond even official it reeks of it reeks of the present moment in a way that will just become sort of it will have the same smell that we get off of say victorian poetry where it's sort of celebrating these kind of very hackneyed values and we we read that instantly from the modern perspective and we're like woo that's like stuffy unless it's like emily dickinson which is the exception that proves the rule and or it's just like kind of actively mediocre. And so I think sort of the relevance of kind of this art form being frankly somewhat lost in the present day is actually quite significant because when we look at eras that can't produce good poetry, they tend to be sort of mediocre eras in one way or another. Wait, so here's a question I have for you. Um, you know, there's been some discussion right now uh, as we're recording uh, about Emily Wilson's translation of the mm -hmm. Iliad. Uh, she already translated the Odyssey, I think. Um, you know, the Iliad, the Odyssey, uh, these works, they have been relevant for, I mean, what is it, like 2,800 years now. Why are they, and these are long works, why are they still relevant? Why are they still relevant? My gosh, well, I mean, they, first of all, they're simply just good. And I can't read, unfortunately, I'm a barbarian. I was not in any way educated. 
And so I can't actually read these texts. And, you know, when you're when you're reading a, a translation of the Iliad, you're uh, reading, of course, the Italians have this saying, traditore, traditore, which means, you know, translator, traitor. Uh, you know, you're reading, they have this, this doctrine officially with the Quran. When you're reading a translation of the Quran, you are not reading the Quran. You are reading a work which is basically deriv- derivative of the Quran. And so when you're reading a translation of the Iliad, you are not reading the Iliad. You are reading a poem, a long poem in English, which is basically derivative of and inspired by the Iliad, but the way in which it functions as a poem is going to be completely different, right? You know, because uh, Greek and poetic effects in Greek and English are completely different. For example, in ancient Greek, you know, poetry relies on accents and stresses. It relies, I think it's, it's acts. It, it has like a long and short vowel rhythm structure completely lost in English, which is, you know, um, I mean, we'll get, the prosody of English is a complicated subject that we'll get into, but the like, and and so every poet who comes to this, you know, and it has to be a poet. It's not just someone who knows both languages. Sort of produces a different kind of work. Um, I'm trying to remember. I mean, so you have things like the you know the Fitzgerald, the the Lattimore translations Thanks. of. Fagels, you know, the sort of the, the core mid-century, 20th century, you know, translations, uh, you know, um, um, funnily enough, um, Richmond Lattimore, one of the best translators of the Odyssey and Iliad, was the brother of the other Lattimore, uh, what is it, Owen Lattimore, the, uh, who was the, uh, the, the, or, the communist orientalist or the, um, you know, probably communist orientalist uh kind of what is his first name i don't have his first name right is it owen Lattimore? um no the, you're, you're uh, correct it's, it's it is owen Lattimore. and uh, yeah, yeah he wrote uh, and, a bunch of stuff about china and you know his i mean yeah. i've read some of his books he's interesting. yes they're they're interesting they're good books and he was one of the china hands who uh, lost china as they say but we're, we're going down the uh he was one of the pro mao people basically and, you know, all the best people were pro Mao and Stalin. Let's be honest about this. And so, yeah, I mean, you know, whatever. There were many problems with the mid-century period, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, uh, produced amazing, amazing work. And so, you know, to say that you're someone who should be entrusted with this means that you really have to be, you know, a poet in your own right. And um, I don't know about this this Emily Wilson person, but uh, maybe I saw some comparison of her translation at some point. I'm sure it's uh, a dismal, you know, and, uh, you know, that's that's um, just uh, the end of the age. I don't know, you know. Well, I mean, so we don't really uh, produce epic poems. And I mean, do you think it's just because uh, modern society oh. has too many distractions? Oh, our own epic poems. I mean, uh, you know, so, you know, uh, Vikram Seth in the 1980s, a fellow brown person, uh, wrote a poem called The Golden Gate, which is a, you know, kind of a uh, um, uh, a comedy of manners uh, in verse, which I read about 20 years ago. It's really it's really not bad. I mean, you know, let's like to call it an epic. I mean, epic, you know, implies an, a, sort of a, a dramatic purpose, uh, which I don't think is is present um, in that work. But the, um, you know, yeah, um, 
So yeah, I mean, I don't know. Like we're just we're we're not a we're not we're not a heroic age. We're not you know we have uh, heroes, we have warriors at least, but you know we know like very little about them. We're not terribly interested in them. Um, you know, I mean, this is of course the age of Nietzsche's last man, right? Well, I mean, so do you think? Um, but I mean, what do you think about the idea that um, some of our music, you know, uh, hip hop, you know, these sorts of things that they they fill that same role in our society? I think we have very good music in our society. I think this is a period of very good music, very good film. I think there's a lot of very strong creative efforts, you know, being being made in that direction. They're just kind of more visceral than intellectual in a certain way. I mean, you know, that's it's hard it's hard for politics to destroy like music, right? I mean, yeah, short of like you know banning banning instrumental uh, banning vocal music in a sort of Taliban or banning instrumental music, sorry, in a Taliban kind of kind of style. I mean, and you know, and even there, you get like these nasheeds. I, do you listen to nasheeds, Razib? Is that something no. you're familiar with the concept of the of the nasheed, though? Yeah, yeah, I am. Uh, I'm not a very um, I, I'm I'm quite a bit of a philistine compared to you, uh, so I don't. Uh, I'm not a big consumer of a lot of these things, although yes, I can, I know the dictionary word. Uh, I am well. I mean, too. sure, uh, interesting. Well, I mean, you know, if you make any kind of video and you put an sheet on it, it becomes the nicest video. Basically, it's uh, you know. Uh, <laughs> I should not. Be- okay, you know what? You know what? I got an but, idea now for uh, the the outre, uh, the the intro, yeah, the intro. Exactly, the outre exactly, <laughs> exactly. It just really nothing sets the tone like you know. I'm in a like you know Pakistani minibus like in the sheet. Well, I mean, you know? I I can uh, I can I, I should do it sometime. I I still I can memorize. I have some parts of the Quran memorized, obviously, just from oh, my wow. childhood. Right. Which so. parts? What's uh? What, what's uh, your surah fatiha, which is like the the initial surah. Uh, that that's the not the one. The, the cow. The cow. Is that the one? The cow. I don't. I don't think so. No, I don't think so. But uh, You're, you I'll didn't memorize the one where 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 it said you know find 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 the Jew behind the rock, the tree, and you know the rock and the tree will cry out. You know, <laughs> oh Muslim, there is a Jew hiding behind me. Uh, no, that you. That, yeah, not I'm that not, I'm not to look that up. I'm not to look that up, but. Uh, but yeah, a, a lot of uh, it, yeah. like a lot of it, a lot of it is uh, quite uh, poetic, actually. Um, oh, sure. And so that, and that's why um, it's not super important. Um, well, I mean, it's not super important that people know the meaning because the whole idea is it's the word. The word is what you know. The word and the meter and the, and the sounds uh, they have yeah. a magical property, right? And so um, I think that that is telling us kind of um, what the role of poetry had and has. Because um, Arabs still actually um, patronize poetry. Yeah, it's a very, uh, rich, it's a very rich Arabs poetic culture. Still, yeah, yeah, they'll they'll still they'll still you know be patrons of poets, right? And poetry competitions. And there's some cultures that still think uh, the Welsh uh, in Western Europe are still super into it. Um, Arabs, you know, there's certain certain cultures with central part of a uh, um, you know just their ethos, I guess. I, I don't feel like Anglo Americans, like Americans, were very. Uh, poetic like we have folk songs like we have country music well you know there's there's there's, there's cowboy poetry you've got to consider yeah. the cowboy poetry yeah 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 that's yeah. true that's true but i think um you know in terms of like in, in terms of this discussion you know so for example like just concretely when i've seen people being emotionally uh just aroused and uh 
just like taken away by poetry, I think that those emotions normally in our society are associated with music, uh, with instrumental and vocal music. And uh, I just wonder if there's been a substitution effect in terms of time or just like, you know, yeah, well, I mean, you know, it, they're just they're very different forms, you know, like like there's certainly a resemblance between poetry and lyrics. But like I wouldn't necessarily overplay that. I think that especially with the kind of like mid-century poetry that I like, I mean, there's just not much in common between like the effect of like you know Robert Lowell and you know let's take a band with like really good lyrics like The National or something I mean you know sure they're good but it works in very very different ways and it produces I think very different effects and you know you can't really say oh well this kind of you know music is a replacement for the the poetry of of Constantine uh, Cavafy or something can I read a Cavafy poem can I do a poem yeah, yeah, yeah. Do, do your thing. Let me do it. Let me do it. Let me. Yeah. All right. Let me do my thing. Hang on one sec. All right. This is by uh, Constantine Kavafi, who was, um, I know it sounds like Gaddafi. He was actually a Greek from Alexandria, writing around the turn of the last century. He was a gay Alexandrian Greek poet. And uh, the great uh, Russian poet Joseph Brodsky uh, turned me on to, uh, to Kavafi. Um, and, um, well, let me just read the poem. Um, the reference, uh, the title is a reference to Dante. You don't need to know the reference, but it means um, who makes the great refusal. And it's called Che Fece il Gran Refuto. For some people, the day comes when they have to declare the great yes or the great no. It's clear at once who has the yes ready within him. And saying it, he goes from honor to honor, strong in his conviction. He who refuses does not repent. Asked again, he'd still say no. Yet that no, the right no, drags him down all his life. There you go. That's a, uh, you know, very short Constantine Kavafi poem. You can find it online. You can read it over and over again. You can decide how it applies to you or doesn't apply to you. I think it might apply to you, actually, Razib. You know, uh, I think you do have the great no. Um, and uh, the people. Um, okay. You probably know the people who have the great yes. And, you know, uh, they are probably just simply a mystery to you. You just can't understand how this person can, you know, can possess this yes, can contain it all within himself. Uh, and yet and yet he does. And uh, <laughs> and so, it goes from um, honor to honor. So listening to you, to, to you reading it out loud, though, um, I also am um, struck or I think, um, you know, the power of poetry to a great extent is also is in its speech in its delivery oh sure uh, it's it's where... it's pros it's prosody is the word and and actually when you even when you read when you read silently functional mris will show your vocal tract being activated and so you know essentially the you know there's a sort of you know what what makes poetry poetry and there's a lot of like definitions but for me the essence of poetry is that it's broken into lines if it's not broken into lines it's not poetry and the reason that it's broken into lines is essentially that a line of poetry is at least in some kind of conceit a line is a breath and the reason that poetry has a sort of spiritual impact 
is related to the relationship between the word breath and the word spirit, which are, of course, are the same word. Po poetry essentially, by breaking into lines, synchronizes with your breathing in a sense.